What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Speech Analysis on the Public Speaker Podcast. Again, I'm sorry that I'm a little bit sick, but nonetheless, the show must go on. Um, so today's speech is actually pretty cool. It is a uh, entrepreneur or a venture capitalist, I believe, who's giving advice on startups. Um, main thing to take away from here is the use of the visual aid. I thought it was pretty good. So if you haven't, you should probably check out the YouTube video just to see how the public speaker uses the visual aid. Um, they present a graph that is a lot simpler than most graphs are in public speeches and makes it very easy for someone to understand what they're trying to say. Um, the, the other big takeaway from this outside of visual aids is the use of really good informative examples. So this speech would be classified as an informative speech. It's just reasons why startups succeed. It's not really trying to persuade you or get you to believe in something ideological, but the end result of it is most likely being persuaded because the information is so convincingly geared towards one direction. And what I really like is that the speaker uses well-warranted examples, like examples that have circumstantial reasons for being true outside of just their intrinsic um, basis for like being logically true. And the speaker goes over all of those circumstances to get the audience to logically deduce that it would make sense for this example to be what this example is. Um, so if you're trying to give a public speech and you're trying to prove an argument without trying to sound like you're persuading, this is a really good public speech because it uses the informative uh, speech framework and then gives really good information to then ultimately lead to a potential impact slash persuasion that would be effective on the audience. Um, so nonetheless, I really enjoy the speech. I hope you guys like the speech analysis and let's get into the talk. I'm really excited to share with you some findings that really surprised me about what makes companies succeed the most? What factors actually matter the most for startup success? I believe that the startup organization is one of the greatest forms to make the world a better place. If you take a group of people with the right equity incentives and organize them in a startup, you can unlock human potential in a way never before possible. You get them to achieve unbelievable things. So quickly, let's talk about the introduction. Um, the introduction is uh, hooking the audience by being very blunt, just saying, look, uh, it's a big, pretty big claim to say a, a startup is one of the biggest ways to unlock human potential in human history. Um, so given he said that large claim, now the audience hopefully is captivated enough to figure out what warrants does he have, what reasons does he have to be able to make that uh, statement. So let's see what happens throughout the rest of the speech. But if the startup organization is so great, why do so many fail? That's what I wanted to find out. I wanted to find out what actually matters most for startup success. And this is where he's gonna create the problem. So startups are the best way to unlock human potential. However, a lot of them fail. That's the problem of the speech. And now he has to go through the speech explaining why that's true. And I wanted to try to be systematic about it. Avoid some of my instincts and maybe misperceptions I have from so many companies I've seen over the years. I wanted to know this because I've been starting businesses since I was 12 years old when I sold candy at the bus stop in junior high school, to high school when I made solar energy devices, to college when I made loudspeakers, and when I graduated from college, started software companies. And 20 years ago, I started Idealab, and in the last 20 years, we started more than 100 companies, many successes and many big failures. We learned a lot from those failures. So I tried to look across what factors accounted the most for company success and failure. So I looked at these five. First, the idea. I used to think that the idea was everything. I mean, I named my company Idealab and how much I worship the aha moment when you first come up with the idea. But then over time, I came to think that maybe the team, the execution, adaptability, that mattered even more than the idea. I never thought I'd be quoting boxer Mike Tyson on the TED stage, but he once said, 
everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> and I think that's so true about business as well. Uh, so much about a team's execution is its ability to adapt to getting punched in the face by the customer. The customer is the true reality. And that's why I, became, I came to think that the team maybe was the most important thing. Then I started looking at the business model. Does the company have a very clear path generating customer revenues? That started rising to the top in my thinking about maybe what mattered most for success. Then I looked at the funding. Sometimes companies received intense amount of funding. Maybe that's the most important thing. And then, of course, the timing. Is the idea way too early and the world's not ready for it? Is it early, meaning you're in advance and you have to educate the world? Is it just right or is it too late and there's already too many competitors? So I tried to look very carefully at these five factors across many companies. And I looked across all 100 Idealab companies and 100 non-Idealab companies to try and come up with something scientific about it. So first, on these Idealab companies, the top five companies, City Search, Cars Direct, GoTo, NetZero, Tickets.com, those all became billion-dollar successes. And the five companies on the bottom, Z.com, Insider Pages, My Life, Desktop Factory, PeopleLink, we all had high hopes for, but didn't succeed. So I tried to rank across all of those attributes how I felt those companies scored on each of those dimensions. And then for non-Idealab companies, I looked at wild successes like Airbnb and Instagram and Uber and YouTube and LinkedIn, and some failures. Webvan, Cosmo, Pets.com, Flues, and Friendster. The bottom companies had intense funding. They even had business models in some cases, but they didn't succeed. I tried to look at what factors actually accounted the most for success and failure across all these companies, and the results really surprised me. The number one thing was timing. Timing accounted for 42% of the difference between success and failure. So this is actually a really good use of the visual aid. Um, I think there's a lot of stuff on this visual aid and probably not enough time to look at every single metric and how it ranks on his score of one to 10. But nonetheless, it is very clear that these companies do well, have these rankings, these companies do bad, have these rankings, and then it's effectively communicated. Um, I also really liked how he was going through his personal experience about it's the team, no, it's the business model, no, it's the venture capital funding, whatever, 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 and then it keeps going to something else that is more essential than the next thing that is essential. So that's a good way to walk the audience down what the perception is of a good startup, which is just the idea, and then the quote does a really good job at saying, actually, no, you get punched in the face, and then maybe it's the team, then maybe it's the business model. It's something that is always changing that will give the startup the life that it needs to actually come into fruition. Team and execution came in second, and the idea, the differentiability of the idea, the unique idea, that actually came in third. Now, this isn't absolutely definitive. It's not to say that the idea isn't important, but it very much surprised me that the idea wasn't the most important thing. Sometimes it mattered more when it was actually timed. The last two, business model and funding, made sense to me, actually. I think business model makes sense to be that low because you could start out without a business model and then add one later if your customers are demanding what you're creating. And funding, I think, as well. If you're underfunded at first, but you're gaining traction, especially in today's age, it's very, very easy to get intense funding. So now let me give you some specific examples about each of these. So take a wild success like Airbnb everybody knows about. Well, that company was famously passed on by many smart investors because people thought, no one's going to rent out a space in their home to a stranger. Of course, people proved that wrong. But one of the reasons it succeeded, aside from a good business model, a good idea, great execution, is the timing. That company came out right during the height of the recession when people really needed extra money. And that maybe helped people overcome their objection to renting out their own home to a stranger. Same thing with Uber. Uber came out, incredible company, incredible business model, great execution too. But the timing was so perfect for their need to get drivers into the system. Drivers were looking for extra money. It was very, very important. 
Some of our early successes, City Search, came out when people needed web pages. GoTo.com, which we announced actually at TED in 1998, was when companies were looking for cost-effective ways to get traffic. We thought the idea was so great, but actually the timing was probably maybe more important. And then some of our failures. We started a company called Z.com. It was an online entertainment company. We were so excited about it. We raised enough money. We had a great business model. We'd even signed incredibly great Hollywood talent to join the company. But broadband penetration was too low in 1999-2000. It was too hard to watch video content online. You had to put codecs in your browser and do all this stuff. And the company eventually went out of business in 2003. Just two years later, when the codec problem was solved by Adobe Flash, and when broadband penetration crossed 50% in America, YouTube was perfectly timed. Great idea, but unbelievable timing. And in fact, YouTube didn't even have a business model when it first started. It wasn't even it was certain that that would work out. But that was beautifully, beautifully timed. So what I would say in summary is execution definitely matters a lot. The idea matters a lot, but timing might matter even more. And the best way to really assess timing is to really look whether consumers are really ready for what you have to offer them. And to be really, really honest about it, not be in denial about any results that you see. Because if you have something you love, you want to push it forward. But you have to be very, very honest about that factor on timing. As I said earlier, I think startups can change the world to make the world a better place. I hope some of these insights can maybe help you have a slightly higher success ratio and thus make something great come to the world that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Thank you very much, my great audience. Okay, so that's the single biggest reasons why startups succeed by Bill Gross. I actually really like this speech. Um, and maybe that's because I'm like trying to do some entrepreneur stuff, I don't know. But uh, nonetheless, I thought it was a good speech. Um, I think the end of it in terms of the explanation of examples was really good. So if you want to take away something from this from a public speaker's perspective, the analysis of examples was amazing, right? So the Uber example, the Airbnb example at the height of the financial crash, then the transition to the YouTube example and the reason for why online video failed in 2003 but succeeded in 2006. I thought the communication of the um, circumstantial reasons for why those companies failed or succeeded was really, really convincing and good to make me ultimately believe the the... the the claim that the speaker is trying to promote, which is that timing is everything. So he did a bunch of analysis. He came to the conclusion that timing is everything. But now I, as the audience, am left to question, how do I know that's true, right? Your 42% chart doesn't mean anything to me. I want to know really why do you think timing matters? And then he gives a bunch of examples for why timing matters and he communicates it in a way to almost make it seem as if I would be um, dubious to not think that timing matters more than everything else, given the examples of the companies he's talking about. Um, so I thought this was a really good speech. I thought the content of it was good. I think this is a good way to understand how examples interact with larger messages and larger purposes of the speech. Uh, and in general, the communication of those examples was just spot on in terms of what he was talking about. So I enjoyed the speech. Let me know your thoughts and comments. Leave a speech in the comments that you would like me to review. And thank you guys for watching this episode of Speech Analysis. I'll see you in the next one.